Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek, and I'm recording on October 19th. This week, our focus is on the lawsuit that was filed against House Bill 7069, that very huge omnibus bill from the spring 2017 legislative session that did a variety of things, including forcing school districts to share their tax revenue with charter schools and creating a new set of charter schools that are separate and distinct from their local school districts. Or While the lawsuit was being filed, the State Board of Education turned around and started to take action on some of the bigger pieces within the legislation, including creating a list of schools of excellence, the top-performing schools, which are given freedom from a lot of the state rules, and schools of hope a grant program that goes to up to 25 district schools that have been low-performing to try and help them to improve. To talk about all of these issues, we have today Palm Beach County School Superintendent Robert Avosa, whose district has both sued the legislature over the bill and requested and received money through the grant proposal. So Dr. Avosa, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. It's my pleasure. Looking forward to chatting. I want to focus on two things that you've been very involved with. One is the lawsuit on House Bill 7069, and the other is the related Schools of Hope application that was approved by the State Board this week. I want to start off with the lawsuit, though, because I want to know why your school district decided to get involved with this rather than what some other districts did, which was to just watch. Well, first of all, we really believe in local control. Um, Our community has been working really hard to improve their schools over the last decade. We've seen an acceleration in that uh, here recently, and we're starting to get great results. And one of the things that's difficult is when we're micromanaged from Tallahassee, and that's become a growing concern, not just here in Florida, but across the country. Having worked in Georgia and North Carolina, you know, you see the stories, um, and the real issue for us is to be able to be nimble. If folks want us to be competitive, then they need to give us the same kind of flexibility and autonomy that the charter schools enjoy. And so, quite frankly, when, you know, um, local dollars that are collected are forced uh, to be shared, particularly after, you know, we just went through a 10-year capital program, we just passed the half-cent sales tax, we've got all of our work out ahead of us, and then you know, now we're, we're, we're looking at losing $250 million over that 10-year period. It's troublesome. And the argument is that the Constitution really leaves the school districts in charge of both the taxes and the operation of the free public school system, and you're suggesting that the legislation took away both of those things. That's exactly right. We believe it's a constitutional issue. Timing was of the essence for us. The first payments are to go out in February. We notified each one of our charters and told them, do not anticipate going to a bank and borrowing money or getting a bond showing that you're getting that money because we're in litigation. You must, if you go out and get a loan, you must say that we're in litigation. And that's one of the reasons why we went out on our own quickly. Uh, the, the team that was assimilating across the state 
think there were 10 or 12 or 13 people, different districts that wanted to work together on that. Um, but they weren't ready to, to, to lodge the, the suit, and we had to. So we had to do it on our own. Do you think that there will be an opportunity or a chance that you'll join with the other suit that's out there? Yes. Yeah, so we only uh, are focused on one element of, of uh, HB 7069, not the whole thing. And I think we'll talk about that in a moment because the other element of HB 7069 are schools of hope. Um, so we, we're only focused on one thing, which is being forced to share capital dollars with charter schools, which, by the way, can open up right next to a school that we already have, and we don't need that school there. Um, and then the other piece is that these dollars eventually wind up going to private charter management operating companies that own the buildings. And our public does not approve of that at all. That's a, that's a whole other argument that that goes crazy around. I know I've seen a lot of schools, charter schools that have that problem. I, I don't even want to go there with you. But what about the um, 7069 other aspects? Because I know there were things that people liked about it. And one of them, one of them did what you suggested. It was create some flexibility for the high-performing schools, that schools of excellence piece that I know that they just approved at the state board as well. Are you fighting against that as well, or does that come under the whole umbrella of this bill is unconstitutional? We have decided to focus on one area, which is the area we talked about with sharing of dollars for buildings. There are pieces of the of HB six. 7069 that, you know, give us flexibility. There are pieces that people like, you know, lots of parents like the recess piece. I think Alberto Carvalho, though, said best when he said, it, you know, a, an ounce of honey with a gallon of, of vinegar. Um, and that's a hard pill to swallow for, for local school systems that are trying to, you know, work within our budgets and try to get, get great results for kids. Now, some of the lawmakers noted that your district and some of the others that are suing over this bill, this bill, then turned around and asked for money through the Schools of Hope legis- uh, piece of the legislation. Do you see any disconnect between those two things, that you're asking for money on one hand while you're also, you know, f- fighting against the proposal on the other? I, I think, uh, I don't know if I have the number right, but there's like 200 elements of this bill, something like that. And we're just arguing on one which is the forced distribution of these dollars. There are lots of good things in there. We believe that if they want competition, competition they'll have. Palm Beach County has done a great job. We have zero traditional F schools. All three of the schools that we brought forward to compete um, in Schools of Hope were accepted, and we got the largest share of money in the entire state. We've got a track record of turning low-performing schools around. We're down to a handful of D schools, and for a district with nearly 200,000 students, 65% 65% of them on free and reduced lunch, majority minority. We're proud of that. So we've got a good turnaround strategy. We're going to continue to fight and compete. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're outperforming charter schools in Palm Beach County. We're the only county in South Florida that has a local newspaper in uh, Fort Lauderdale. and did an independent analysis and showed that Palm Beach, uh, in fact, was outperforming their charter schools. So when you take the money for the Schools of Hope. And let me ask you first, were you surprised that you got those knowing what some of the lawmakers were saying? I was worried, uh, quite frankly, that, you know, people had warned me when I moved back to Florida that that there's these sort of rumors and innuendos that folks, you know, there's retribution when you go against certain people. 
Uh, we submitted three outstanding applications that we worked really hard on, one for Palm Beach Lakes High School, one for Gove Elementary, and one for West Riviera. And um, those were solid proposals, and all three that we had got in. So this money's for the kids. We're not using this, you know, as some sort of trophy to, to do something that we want to do. This is something we have to do. These wraparound services, the mental health piece that our kids are struggling in some of these poor um, areas really need our help. So I'm not going to let the kids, uh, you know, not participate in something um, just because of one element that we're upset about. We're going to fight for it, and we did, and, um, you know, we're, we're going to spend those dollars wisely and improve the outcomes for those children. So now that you're getting the money, what exactly are you doing with it? Because I know the commissioner said, everybody who didn't get one of these grants, look at the ones that won because those are the excellent ones. Right. Well, we, we've got three applications that are out there. They're public. You can take a look at them. At the high level, though, like at Palm Beach Lakes High School, we know that a traditional 180-day calendar, you know, six, seven-period day is not enough for kids who are coming to school three, four years behind. So we are extending opportunities for kids to learn. We're going to be opening the schools on weekends. We've got all kinds of wraparound services, mental health counselors, social workers, these are the kind of things um, that used to be provided by other entities that are not now uh, in Florida privatized, and um, some of the kids fall through the cracks. So this is going to give us an opportunity to support them. We're going to be hiring extra teachers to reduce class size at the, at the high school. Uh, we've got a plan in place that really doubles down on the number of what we call in-school tutors. That's worked really well for us. We've piloted at a couple of schools that had great response last year, um, where we hire uh, young men and women who, who are going to college, and they work for us three, four hours a day tutoring in school, pulling small groups of kids and helping them, um, and that's really working well. Are those kinds of things sustainable over time? I don't know how long this grant really lasts. You know, these are questions that we grapple with as, as administrators. We hope, though, that if we show sustainability, then um, the state and others will look at these models and say, hey, this is the kind of thing we ought to be doing for schools that are at risk. And, you know, maybe we can get appropriations related to that. But we want to be part of the solution. Um, if there's things here that we're working on that work, we want to share them across the state. And, you know, I got to give the state credit. They have given us more flexibility this past year. We asked for a waiver on a math program we started that's a personalized learning called AMP. Um, which is Accelerated Math Program, and we got phenomenal results. And we'll be presenting those results across the state for, for other districts to learn from. Are there any things that you're asking the legislature to do this year in order to tie into some of these issues that you have and some of the things that you want to see be continued? Well, earlier you asked me a question about the schools of excellence, and we're just really sorting through what that means for our local principals. We're going to be pulling them in and, and, and going through what kinds of things they might want to, um, to work on and, and to waive uh, because basically they're saying that the schools of excellence will have an opportunity to, to think outside the box. I refer to a strategy that I like that as earned autonomy, which means, you know, you're in the top 20%, you're an A-rated school, you've earned the ability to have more autonomy. Um, this is not something new for me. My last school district in Georgia, I ran the entire district in that model, which allowed local schools and parents to really think differently about the the how 
but we controlled the what. So the standards, the curriculum, the resources were given to the schools, and they decided how they wanted to organize them. I think we're going to see more and more of that, and that ownership will help teachers and principals own their work. I remember visiting Palm Beach several years ago when they were deemed a charter school district and given some flexibilities that other districts didn't have. It sounds like maybe we're headed back towards that model. Yeah, and I don't think we really knew what to do with that years ago. I think it was about maybe 10 years ago, but I'm not sure. Um, Look, I I refer to that. There's some uh, writing out there called cages of our own design, which means when you grow up in a bureaucracy and you believe there are all these policies and systems in place to stop you from being innovative, you, you actually start acting that way. And what we need to do is think completely differently and not worry about that and just let people think big and then determine whether or not there's actually things we need to waive. So that's really what we're going through now. We've got a couple of schools that are in the poppy uh, pilot. I don't know if you've heard about that. Is that the principal, is that the principal autonomy? That's okay. exactly right. So we, we do have three schools involved in that. We're working with the University of West, I mean, the University of Virginia, UVA. And um, we've got three that are in the pilot and three we've added ourselves that um, are going to benefit from, you know, pushing this idea of autonomy and thinking differently about how to use time, people, and money. Well, I really appreciate you talking with me about this. This is super fascinating, and I could probably talk with you for an hour, but I try to keep these podcasts to about 15 minutes. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say thank you and, and look forward to talking with you again about some of these ideas as you move forward with them. Happy to share our progress, both what we're learning and what we're struggling with. There's only one way to get across that finish line. It's to, to work hard, and, and I think in Florida you see teachers and principals working as hard as they can. That's the end of our podcast. If you'd like to participate in this conversation or any other, please visit our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook. You can continue to follow all the breaking news on Florida Education News on our blog, tampabay.com slash gradebook. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thanks again for listening.